1: Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy What Love Is This and I'm your host Doris Hanson. We're glad that you've decided to join us tonight. And of course, we're here every Thursday night uh, to present a wide variety of information on Mormon fundamentalism, of course, which is polygamy, which began with Joseph Smith, who called it celestial marriage. Um, And the practice continues on down through the generations and through the years, despite the fact that it has been always illegal and both in civil law as well as in the Bible. You know, the Bible is relevant for today and for this culture. The Bible speaks to contemporary religions and religious ideas, and the Bible is God's word, which is his way of speaking his truths to humanity. The Bible is the measure and the standard for all people who claim to speak for God. Because Joseph Smith said that God commanded polygamy and then he used biblical characters to prove his own false doctrine, we use the Bible to refute his false doctrine and to contend for the truth that the Bible clearly commands us to do. In fact, in Jude, in the Bible, in the book of Jude in the Bible, verse 3, that's what it tells us to do. I want to quote that verse. It says, It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. End quote. And so, to contend for the faith, we shall do in accordance with God's command. Tonight with our guest, we are going to contend. We're going to use several verses in 2 Peter chapter 2, which speaks to Joseph Smith, speaks about him and his polygamous culture. And our guest to do this is Tyson Holbrook. He was our guest on January 31st of last year, telling his story of leaving the mainline LDS Church mainly because of their history and doctrine of polygamy. Chapter 2 of Second Peter was on his heart to share with our viewers and is relevant for our culture. So we invited him to come and share that tonight with us. So we would like to introduce and welcome back our guest, Tyson Holbrook. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. And thanks for your idea. This was a great idea oh, thanks for, for a show, Second Peter. Now, you left uh, the LDS Church <coughs> because of polygamy. You told your whole story on January 31st of last year, but yes, you, you wondered about polygamy in Mormonism. You researched it, you discovered the lies, and you discovered the deceit and the cover-ups, yep. uh, beginning with Joseph Smith, clear until today. Yes. And in researching all that, you decided that you wanted to get out from a church that would do that kind of deceitful uh, covering up. How has your life been since you left Mormonism and has your exit affected others either for or against your decision to leave?
2: It's a good question. Um, actually it's been awesome. Uh, one of the things that I do like is that I don't feel like I'm on eggshells for asking questions that in my mind are completely legitimate questions. Uh, questions that I think any logical person would ask. Uh-huh. Um, you know it was interesting after having been on your show Uh, because I had never actually resigned. I was excommunicated for um, speaking about polygamy and going over the history of the church with you. Mm -hmm. Um, I had actually asked them, I said, did I say anything that was incorrect? I could go back and refute it. And they said, that's not what this is about. (laughs) So it was kind of interesting. So I was basically excommunicated for evil speaking of the Lord's anointed. But uh, it's been a good effect. I've had a lot of people in my family, very close family, that uh, have been open, have looked at the actual doctrine and realized, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, this mm-hmm. is nowhere near what we were taught yeah, and so that's been it's been great actually
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. good, good. well, the truth uh, you know the, the Bible tells us that maybe people are bound, but the truth God 's truth is not bound. we can't bind that truth so we're going to talk about second Peter chapter two tonight, <coughs> and we're going to be, begin at verse one, and we're going to be discussing some of the verses, especially those that speak to this particular culture. Uh, that brought about Mormonism and sustains Mormonism, which includes polygamy, and, and, and I'd like you to remember as we discuss this information that, that you keep in mind that when we say Mormonism, we are including all of the polygamous culture, every polygamy group they may have a different uh, ways of, of uh, applying some of, of their doctrine, but they all have the same foundation, which is Joseph Smith and he, his claim that God told him to live polygamy. Uh, so y- using the word Mormonism actually includes the entire uh, spectrum of Mormon doctrine that uh, relies upon Joseph Smith. Now in Second Peter chapter 2, it is talking about false prophets and it talks in great detail about their methods and their characteristics so we're not going to do every verse we don't have time but we're going to select some verses and go through and kind of work through them as it applies to this culture so verse one says
2: sure it says but there were also false prophets among the people even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction.
1: Okay, so it's, it, it talks about destruction. It talks about false teachers yes. secretly bringing in these destructive heresies, which is, is bad teaching. Yes. Um, denying the Lord your Bible, all this stuff. The, the most destructive work of Satan seems to be a false gospel. where where he misrepresents biblical truth, changing God's way of eternal life into something else, and blinding people so badly that they don't even know they're being deceived. And so God is warning that destruction is going to come to all the false prophets who do that, but their destruction is brought upon, upon themselves by themselves. Exactly. Now, how does Jesus warn us about false prophets?
2: Well, Jesus warned us about false prophets in Matthew 24, verse 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall shew great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect.
1: Now, there's an interesting verse there. Here, Jesus is warning us against the false prophets and those who will come and deceive. Yes. And I I, I, I just need to mention right here, polygamists believe they are God's (laughs) special elect. They believe that they are the chosen few who've been honored and charged with the command to live polygamy. And all the polygamy groups believe they alone are the special people and elect of God. That's why they live polygamy, because God has entrusted them with this higher law that they claim that polygamy celestial marriage is, but who are the elect? Who's a, Jesus talking about here? That's
2: a great question. I think, uh, in my experience with people that I've debated, I think everyone thinks that they're the elect. You know, and nobody wants to say, I'm, I'm not the elect, I'm, I'm the one down there. But I think the people that are elect are the ones who actually seek to find the truth. And people who actually take and put morality up and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to stand for what's right, even if I stand here all by myself. And that's, in my opinion, what
1: the elect are the the elect are those who have embraced jesus and he is the truth and accepted his words and his truth and and laid their life down on the line for it that's the elect right right and and that's biblical truth we're talking about absolutely yes uh destructive heresies destroy (coughs) obviously that that's the word not only those who hear them and believe them and this is the danger but also those who teach them And that's what this chapter is about, those who are teaching these bad doctrines. People
2: who teach and perpetuate it, yes. Right.
1: And it says in that verse that they even deny the Lord who bought them. Correct. Now, you've got some good uh, quotes you want to do that, but just before you do the quote, I want to mention that denying the Lord includes denying the authority that Jesus has over our lives. A church doesn't have authority over our lives. No man or woman in that church has authority over our lives, but the Word of God does and our standard is that. And Jesus is the Word of God, the Bible is the written Word of God, and all all else, anything that teaches anything else is a destructive heresy. So you have some quotes Mm -hmm. that describe some doctrines that illustrate denying the Lord who bought them. Your first one, I think, is in (laughs) Journal of Discourses, Volume 3.
2: Yes, it is. There is not a man or woman who violates the covenants made with their God that will not be required to pay the debt. The blood of Christ will never wipe that out. Your own blood must atone for it.
1: How does that deny the Lord who bought them? Explain that to our viewer who may not understand what we're getting at here.
2: Well, I mean essentially what it's saying is that Christ's atonement is in vain. Which is pretty challenging for someone who claims to believe the Bible and the word of Christ and then say that their other teachings support that when it's clearly contradictory.
1: Mm-hmm, right. And, and saying that his blood doesn't cover all the sins when Jesus on the cross said it is finished. Exactly. So they're denying what he said.
2: They are, they're making a mockery of what Jesus Christ did. Correct.
1: And the Bible is clear. It says he died for our sins. And, yes. and Colossians says he died for all our sins yes not just some of them so they're denying the work he did on the cross wasn't enough absolutely so they feel feel right in there with that verse that says they deny the Lord who bought them focus on earning or working for their salvation yes and and denying the redemption (coughs) that's on the cross that he bought on the cross Jesus purchased us it says denying the Lord who bought them bought them that means that Jesus purchased us he purchased our redemption, right. and and, with, and of course, um, there's going to be people who don't get that redemption because they reject it they, by trying to do the work for themselves. And you can't work it and expect Jesus to pay for it at the same time. I agree. So denying that Jesus Christ is the Lord uh, has lordship over your life is also um, a placing a church or placing doctrine. Mm-hmm. Or another person above that is Absolutely. denying the Lord.
2: It's almost creating a separate God, if you will.
1: Well, and a separate salvation. Yes. Yeah. And that is, that, remember, these are destructive heresies, uh, verse 1 says. Okay, <coughs> let's go to verse 2 and 3.
2: Okay. Um, verse 2 <coughs> And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through their covetousness, Shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now, for a long time, lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not?
1: Wow. Okay. Now we're talking here some interesting information about damnation. Yes. Where actually the Bible is is telling us in these verses that damnation is awaiting these false teachers and these false prophets, and and it's not us being judgmental. No. God's judgment has already fallen. The verdict is in. Yeah, on these. it's
2: it's pretty clearly stated here, and I think one of the things that's really important is in verse three, is how people are made merchandise. Yes, of, um, because mm-hmm. that's shown over and over and over again.
1: It is, and you know, especially, uh, and and you've got some <coughs> good verses to to sh- talk about the the um, the false the false doctrine and the heresies. And the, the, we've got some good ones on the merchandise. yes uh, but we as people are responsible to check out the people who teach us. yeah we are responsible to check them out and determine if they are teaching truth or not before we ever begin to follow them. And that's this chapter is warning the hearers to do that as well because if the teachers are bound for destruction for teaching false doctrine, those who follow them are as well.
2: Oh absolutely. The thing is is those who follow they 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 fall into the trap and they and they don't even realize that they are because they put all their faith into some person Mm -hmm. who's created some kind of a a merry-go-round for them essentially
1: exactly that's right okay let's look at a couple of these pernicious ways that these verses are talking (coughs) about you got a a, a remark by orson pratt journal of uh, discourses volume 13.
2: yes i do this law of monogamy or the monogamic system laid the foundation for prostitution and the evils and diseases of the most revolting nature and character under which modern Christendom groans.
1: So he is here. Now, this is a pernicious dog. What Orson Pratt said here is evil. Yeah,
2: I I would say it's a pretty big deal, yeah.
1: It is very bad because he's saying monogamy is evil and a foundation for prostitution and evil and diseases. Yeah. He's saying monogamy. (laughs) I know.
2: I know. That's why it's so crazy that so many people don't uh, give weight to this. This matters. This is a
1: big deal. You bet it matters. In fact, 2 Thessalonians 2.10 tells us that they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Now, that word saved <coughs> is in there, which is a very important word. You know, I talk to people from both the polygamous side of Mormonism and the Mormon side of Mormonism, sure. and I mention the word saved, and they they like they freak out. They go into spiritual uh, uh, shock. They say, I don't know what you mean by being saved. I don't need to be saved. <laughs> well, right. Jesus said you need to be saved, and that's what the word salvation comes from. So, saved, uh, if we take a look at Jesus' torturous death on the cross, mm-hmm. He died for us. He was our substitute. Being saved is saving us from that same torturous death that never ends. Now, we all need to be saved from that. Um, And Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but trying to do good works and works to help make ourselves worthy for His (coughs) redemption only backfires and no works can help save our souls. That's what that Thessalonians verse is talking about. You refuse to love the truth and so be safe so the truth like you said is important now you also talked about reinventing jesus as one of their pernicious uh doctrines one of their pernicious Egypt. but what do they do how do they reinvent jesus
2: uh, well um i mean basically i mean trying to be concise here but when they said that uh you know your own blood will need to pay for your own sins clearly they're reinventing some substitution of salvation that Mm -hmm. never existed in the bible Mm -hmm. which i guess is all well and good but it if you're going to claim that the bible is part of your doctrine then it doesn't work out that well
1: it just Mm -hmm. doesn't and of course jesus is not (laughs) a created being oh true i understand creator he's not the spiritual brother spiritual of Satan, Satan things the like creator, that. Creator, right? right? Yes. So they did. They they've exchanged the
2: pre-existence and all of the other things that they put in there. All,
1: yeah. All of that is the false doctrine that Second sure. Peter is talking about. Yes. In fact, Romans one twenty five fills this in very well, where it says that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. Yeah. And and Jesus is the Creator who created. He is not a created being who is the spirit brother of Satan. So they've reinvented Jesus, and that also is a pernicious doctrine that false teachers and false prophets of this culture are teaching and have taught.
2: Yeah, and it's amazing to me because so many of them will say, well, it's in our name. We have Jesus Christ in our name of our church, you know, whether it be the fundamentalist or whomever. But the reality is, is that, they continue. They they abandon the idea of what Jesus actually taught, and they recreate something totally new. Mm-hmm. And so that's why mm-hmm. a lot of people in the Christian groups say, "Hey, no, I'm sorry, you aren't Christians because you really don't follow what was laid out by mm-hmm. the Bible by Jesus Christ." That's kind of what makes you Christians.
1: Yeah. Well, obviously it does. Uh, the the make merchandise uh, <laughs> is, is such a good such a good point to make in in talking about these because the polygamous culture makes merchandise of their members. Uh, They did in the early Mormonism and they still do today. And of course, that includes exploitation. Um, Joseph Smith promised young girls (coughs) eternal life. Mm-hmm. in exchange for his personal sexual pla- pleasure uh, <laughs> yeah. well Helen Mark Kimball's a great example Helen Mark Kimball's
2: a prime example of that
1: poly- polygamy groups today make merchandise the same way of mm-hmm. the members of their children uh, the children the little girls for their own personal benefit you have some verses you chose out of the journal of discourses that I you do. wanted to bring up which fits right in with what we're talking about yes. here
2: all right the first one would be journal of discourses uh, volume 2 page 14 today, Grant's talking here. And um, it says, what would a man of God say who felt all right when Joseph asked him for his money? He would say, yes. And I wish I had more to help build up the kingdom of God. Or if he came and said, I want your wife. Oh, yes, he would say, here she is. There are plenty more.
1: Now we don't find anything parallel to that in the Bible whatsoever. No,
2: that's uh, that's a pretty uh, unique one.
1: That that very much is, and it's yep. making merchandise both my money. Absolutely. And wives. Money and wives. Isn't that strange?
2: It's disgusting is what it is. Well, that's true.
1: It certainly is true. Okay, we're going to go on with Journal of Discourses, (laughs) Volume 2, page 14, where uh, Jedediah Grant is still speaking, and he says, If such a man of God should come to me and say, I want your gold and silver or your wives, I should say, Here they are. I wish I had more to give you. Take all I've got. A man who has got the spirit of God and the light of eternity in him has no trouble about such matters. So here they're putting value on wives. Give me your wives. Take my money. Take my wives. That's making merchandise of them. And 2 Peter is warning us not to believe that garbage. Exactly.
2: That's specifically what he's saying. Look out for people who are making merchandise of you. Well... If you're in that situation, you are being brokered out and being made merchandise of. And it's crazy. I'm sorry. It's okay, crazy.
1: You, you've got some here from Heber C. Kimball. Who, who I is, do. And this one is even more disgusting. <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy.
2: It's <laughs> in the New York Times, May 15th, 1860. Brethren, I want you to understand that it is not to be as it has been heretofore. My brother missionaries have been in the habit of picking out the prettiest women for themselves before they get here and bringing on the ugly ones for us. Hereafter, you have to bring them all here before taking any of them and let us all have a fair shake.
1: Wow. Now, Heber C. Kimball was a married man when he said this. <laughs> he, he was. He had a total of 45 wives, so I don't know how many wives he had at this point, but he had plenty.
2: I think he was still in the business. He was and still collecting, but yeah.
1: Obviously. Yeah. He <laughs> yeah. And he want, He doesn't want any ugly ones. He wants the pretty ones. No, no. no one. Isn't that horrible? Top shelf. Yeah. top
0: shelf. Yeah, yeah. th-
1: it's a horrible remark <laughs> for him to make, and it's something that he made publicly. Okay, he had one other remark that is probably the most oh, yeah. disgusting of all. This
2: may have been one of his pickup lines, so pay close attention to this <laughs> if you guys are out there looking for women. <clears throat> I think no more of taking another wife than I do of buying a cow.
1: Oh, there you go. Right. Right that he's he's put it all on the line there yeah made a commodity yes exactly a commodity of his wife's yeah
2: I mean what way to make a woman feel special hey I bought a cow today and I picked up a woman on the way home yeah works out great
1: and you know somebody said that it's even worse (laughs) for the woman because he he bought the cow but he didn't have to buy the woman he just took her I didn't even think about that that is (laughs)
2: terrible that is it really is and
1: they celebrate (laughs) and they revere these men. Yeah, they that's the whole thing. thing.
2: How do you guys think that these
1: guys are cool?
2: I mean, I'm sorry. I just, anyway.
1: <laughs> okay. Your next one uh, that you uh, chose to use was a Journal of Discourses, Volume 3, something that Brigham Young said about more heresies and pernicious yeah. ways that uh, Second Peter is warning us about.
2: Sure. <clears throat> now, if any of you will deny the plurality of wives and continue to do so, I promise that... You will be damned.
1: So Brigham Young <laughs> is placing damnation on someone who is no, does not want to live monogamy. Want, they a, must live polygamy.
2: Right, exactly. And and last I checked, when Jesus was here, kind of laying out his whole ministry, he didn't roll that out and say, "Hey, by the way, you need to you know pick up a lot of women on your way back from picking up cows." Right. You know it, that wasn't said. That's right. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with with eternal salvation or with with
1: anything there. And there are many people in this culture who bring up the fact well Jesus never preached against polygamy, so it must have it so it was okay with him. Sure. But Jesus always preached for monogamy. He did. He always preached for it and he always talked about for monogamy never Never being twain did in one flesh, etc.,
2: yes, absolutely.
1: Right. So threatening damnation to those who don't live polygamy is a pernicious doctrine. And then again, one another one that Brigham Young said that we use a lot on the show is in Journal of Discourses, Volume <laughs> 11, where he said, the only men who become gods, even the sons of God, are those who enter into polygamy. So he promises damnation for those who don't live it <coughs> and becoming a god for those who do live it. Right. However, the Bible's very clear. Monogamy is God's way and men don't become gods. Right. So these are evil doctrines that Peter is warning us about, the evil ways that they're teaching. Yeah. And then you've got one more from Heber C. Kimball in Journal of Discourses 5.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You might as well deny Mormonism and turn away from it as to oppose the plurality of wives. So what happened? Well, that- I denied Mormonism and I turned away from it. <laughs> <laughs> they I think he's right. I might as well. Well,
1: you might as well, except there's been some kind of a, of a change that's been taking place through the years where now all, all but the Mormon fundamentalists deny plurality right. of wives. <laughs> so there's been something, I don't know exactly what. But now we're going to skip down to verse 10. Okay. And uh, pick up on what he said here, still describing these false teachers and these false prophets.
2: Yeah. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak of evil, I mean evil, of dignitaries.
1: So, you know, it talks about walking in according to the lust of uncleanness or lust of the flesh. Right. You, and, of course, that would th- certainly describe polygamists and their variety of sexual partners. And making sure
2: that you get the women back to have a fair shake.
1: Have a fair yep. shake, like Heber C. Kimball mm-hmm. was complaining about. Mm-hmm. And um, some polygamous men definitely are are looking for always for more. Why do you have to have 30 wives? Why do you have to have... 80 wives like Warren Jeffs. Why do you have, why does the leader of the group have to have so many wives? I have no
2: idea. I can't wrap my head around that lunacy.
1: Uh, Well, that's the false prophets of what, what, exactly what they're talking about. It says they despise authority here. Yes. Um, Polygamists generally take government authority very lightly.
0: Yeah, they They, do.
1: They believe they're under a higher law. (laughs) Sure. And so so they are not bound to the government law and they ignore it. If it suits their purposes to ignore it. That's exactly what happens, and we know that because they've been living polygamy illegally ever since they first started it
2: and they've always they've always publicly claimed in the journal of discourses when they're quoted that they'll uh, they'll not obey that law until Wilford Woodruff of course did the manifesto in 1890
1: and John Taylor so. said that every law of the land he would obey except, except
2: polygamy. the yep. polygamy
1: the law of polygamy exactly. so if it suits their purposes they will otherwise they won't so
0: exactly.
1: A- and you know the polygamists have the same articles of faith as the LDS church does obviously yep. but they don't really believe the one that <laughs> says they believe in obeying the law because They believe in it only as far as it's going to serve their purpose. Um, Now, this verse accuses false prophets of being presumptuous. Uh, They presume upon God's patience, of course, and upon other people's weakness of character and ignorant of true doctrine. We have that in this culture. Mm -hmm. So many false prophets, false teachers are out teaching things that are unbiblical Absolutely. And, and as far as, as being under the, the law, of course, the Bible tells us that we should be under the government authorities and, and obey them. Mm-hmm. What about the Kirtland Bank? Were they under the law of that?
2: Oh, wow. The Kirtland Bank could be a show all in and of itself. Um, you know, I mean, a fraudulent bank put together by Joseph Smith. A ton of people lost a lot of money. And I think it was open a total of less than four months. Um, didn't get a charter. All kinds of crazy things. Yeah, that was a pretty blatant breaking of the law.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And so starting, that's the foundation we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. The foundation of the predominant religion yep. of mo- the, both sides of the Mormon fence, the polygamous fundamentalists, as well as the mainline church. That's the foundation. Okay, let's go to verse 12. And, okay. and it's still describing these false prophets.
2: <coughs> All right, cool. But these, like natural brute beasts, shall be caught and destroyed. Speak evil the things they do not understand. And they will utterly perish in their own corruption.
1: Perish in their own corruption. Yes. I think of Joseph Smith. Why? I think w- of Joseph why Smith was too. he in jail? Well, let me
2: think here. Um, which time?
1: Well, th- when he <laughs> <Let's> got <laughs> shot. <laughs> okay. When, when, when he perished.
2: All right. What was cool. he
1: do? Why was he there?
2: He ordered the destruction of the Nauvoo Expositor
1: against the law. Yeah. Why did he order the destruction of it?
2: Well, because uh, it told a bunch of uh,
1: inconvenient
2: truths about him. His
1: polygamy. Yes, so absolutely. His, his polygamy. Brought him to destruction. Yes, and jo- absolutely, it and did. that's exactly what it's saying in this verse. Yep, exactly what it's saying. It'll do yep. his own. Joseph Smith got himself killed, like you said, by his own corruption.
2: Absolutely, he did. Yeah, absolutely, he did.
1: And that's the prophet. Quite honestly, I can't. Culture. I can't
2: believe Joseph Smith lived as long as he did. I can't believe that people didn't stand up to him sooner. And he obviously had a lot of challenges. He, you know, he had. Obviously, a handful of different challenges. His tar and feathering—that was originally scheduled to be something a little bit more eventful. Oh yeah. But um, you know, yeah, I can't believe the guy lived as long as he did. It was pretty amazing.
1: It was. um, But I think he got when. I I think part of that is, I think God's finally said enough is enough when he started to say he was as great as, as greater than Jesus. Oh, yeah. Which was was only a a few months before he got shot. I think God said, "Well, that's a little bit too much." Anyway, they, it says they speak evil of what they don't understand. And of course, they do speak evil of grace. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. sp- they have a hundred percent grace for salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say, no, you have to work. Even in the Book of Mormon, you're saved by grace after, after all, all you, can, you do. can do. Well, that's right. not grace at yeah. all. No. But 100 percent grace is the only way. And if, you, if there's works or polygamy or celestial marriage or, or temple uh, endowment, things that Joseph Smith started because of polygamy, and and all the polygamy groups have those same rituals the word of wisdom sabbath day regulations confessions so-called so-called spiritual policeman. oh yeah all of that is a work salvation which god does not require and he will reject
2: he considers your work filthy rags filthy rags so it that's, is it's an interesting thing i'm not against people doing good things but what i found is this is when you actually embrace the spirit of why you're doing something and you're not trying to earn you know your salvation it's, it's really interesting when you're just moved because you want to, because you're following an idea. You're following what Christ has taught. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different spirit it, behind what you're
1: doing. You're trying to make yourself worthy of something God gives as a free gift. That's what it's all about. It, yeah. It, and and that God will not accept. He won't. He won't. All righty. Let's quickly go to 13 and 14, and then we're going to probably have to open the phone lines for okay. our viewers.
2: Sounds good. And will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. And, excuse me, I'm just learning how to read here. (laughs) There are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. And am I doing 14 as well? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls... They have a heart trained in covetous covetous practices, and are accursed children.
1: Okay, I was that, having a hard time on that one. Wow, that yeah. that that's those are a couple of hard verses. <laughs> it's talking about uh, what these false prophets and false teachers are doing. They, sure, uh, and it says they carouse around in the daytime. They do their worst work in the daytime as well as in the nighttime. It, oh. it, it they, doesn't hide them. they hide in plain sight. They
2: hide in plain sight.
1: Yeah, they do. they're, they're not afraid no. of what the things that they should be afraid of. And you know, this is they feast with you. They're right there with you. They're you know they 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 don't even go hide. You know they they're just out right there in broad daylight. Yep. They're consumed with their own agenda of whatever it is. You I don't I don't know if you've been around um, talking with polygamists, and there there are some wonderful people in polygamy groups. Oh, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. We're against the doctrine. We are get- not the people. Please understand that the doctrine is not good. It is not biblical. It is not something that God has has taught. And yet, these false teachers, beginning with Joseph Smith, taught polygamy as a license to sin, a, a, a religiously sanctioned adultery, which is called polygamy that is so dead wrong. It just, it can't, it fits right in here. It says, they're destroyed. It talks about him perishing all the time. Peter is talking about these teachers are going to perish (coughs) for what they're teaching the people.
2: Right, and they have their eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin. Make sure you bring those girls here. That way we can have a fair shake. I mean, think about it. His eyes are set on what he wants, you know? And they carouse during the day. I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, it's everywhere.
1: Well, all these, I mean, Consider Joseph Smith eyes full of adultery. He <coughs> married 11 women who were married to other men. Indeed he did. That's eyes full of adultery. He didn't stop at even one. He took yeah. 11 of them. And then, he, uh, then these young, young girls he took under, under the guise of celestial marriage. That's eyes, eyes full of carousing around in broad daylight. Yeah.
2: And in fact, really quick on those young girls, when people are talking about, oh, well, it wasn't uncommon for people to get married young back then. Well, it was incredibly uncommon for the other spouse to be double or more (laughs) the other's age. So, yes, maybe there were some younger marriages in the earlier times, but they were usually around the same age. It was ridiculous. Well,
1: that's true, but also it was unusual for people that young to get married. It did happen, but it was an unusual thing. Yes, oh, exactly. I'm just talking
2: about how much, even much more unusual it was for somebody to be that much significantly older. Mm -hmm. So, anyway.
1: Okay, well, it looks like that we've reached the halfway mark, so I think we better. Uh, stop here and share our message with our viewers, and also open up our telephone lines. Okay. Um, our telephone number is eight zero one nine seven three TV twenty eight zero one nine seven three eight eight two zero. We'd love to hear from you if you have comments or questions. There's been a couple of times in the past few weeks where I've been critically accused, horribly accused of being a horrible person because I've hung up on a couple of people. But I only hang up when someone doesn't allow a two-way conversation. Mm-hmm. One of the gentlemen ask me a question, refuse to let me answer it. So remember, if you don't allow a two-way conversation, I will disconnect the call. But I would love to hear people, if you have a differing view, fine, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you, 801-973-2320. And we will um, share a message with you right now.
3: You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877 Four two five nine 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 three, or email us at TV at about We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen.
1: Welcome back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? and I'm your host, Doris Hanson. Our guest tonight is Tyson Holbrook. He's been on the show before um, in January of 2013, he was here telling his story of how he discovered uh, uh, the background of, of the polygamy in the Mormon church and he started questioning and of course he, he left the church uh, as a result. Uh, we're talking however about 2 Peter chapter 2 and what he talks about false prophets and false teachers who come in and teach destructive heresies to the people and it explains the character and also the future of these people who will bring in these false doctrines and we can recognize these people by what they teach. Uh, Jesus said by their fruits you will recognize them and we can recognize them by their doctrine as well um we have a couple of calls coming in but first of all there's one thing i want to cover before uh we get to the calls i want to start out with two corinthians chapter 11 verses 12 through 15 and verse 12 says and i will keep on doing what i am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about for such men are false apostles deceitful workmen masquerading as apostles of christ and no wonder for satan himself masquerades as an angel of light it's not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness their end will be what their actions deserve now the angels described and the people described in these verses are not good they're not godly people the angel described in this angel of light is not a good angel And because Joseph Smith used angels a lot in what he was doing, you put together some very interesting comments about angels in Joseph Smith's experience.
2: Absolutely, I did. I mean, especially considering he was even confused about uh, the prophecy to go sell the uh, copyright to Canada. Couldn't tell if that was God, Satan, or man. I mean, it's, yeah, I guess, Mm -hmm. whatever. But, you know, no angel tried to stop him when he was um, ordaining blacks to the priesthood. No angel corrected him for writing contradictory versions of the First Vision. No angel coerced him into not ordering the destruction of the Nauvoo Expositor Press. No angel tried to stop him from ordering the Danites to kill Governor Boggs. No angel corrected him for repeatedly saying that Native Americans are Lamanites. No angel warned him to stop having sex with his adopted daughters. No angel prevented Smith from claiming to know how to translate Egyptian, or Reformed reformed Egyptian for that matter. No angel came to tell him what happened to the lost 116 pages. No angel stopped him from committing bank fraud. No angel stopped him from trying to sell the copyright of the Book of Mormon. No angel chastised him from declaring that he was greater than Jesus Christ. Nope. Angelic messengers were complete no-shows, except for when Joseph, supposedly didn't want to seduce other men's wives, and then voila, there they are. The Lord sends his angel to force Smith into secret adultery and with he, a flaming sword, no doubt. He, right. Yeah, I mean, he, he makes a good entrance, you know yeah. what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, and so he used the angel. Yeah. It, the, the angel brought him the gold plates, and then another angel comes and says, you do polygamy, you start living polygamy, or he will... Ki-. And this got is what this he told the women. Yeah. I know! That's yeah. what he got to get women. Yeah, seriously. But no angel was involved in any of these other things that he was doing. Not just why. his pickup lines, yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. I wonder why. Well, we would have some calls coming in. Give you something to think about. If you've got some answers, perhaps you'll call them in and give them to us. But we do have some calls. Right now we have on line two Mark from Draper. Hello, Mark. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I, oh, I'm doing good, but you need to turn the volume on your television down.
4: Uh, done. Okay. Great. Um, my question was, and just so you know for context for me, I left the LDS church about 10 months ago.
2: Congratulations.
4: Thank you. Amen. And um, I was kind of concerned about what you guys were saying at the beginning of the show. Um, why do you guys claim that God does not accept polygamy in the Bible when prophets like Abraham, Moses, and Jacob did polygamy? Are you saying that they were in sin, or what is exactly the story there? Well,
1: first of all, there's nothing in the Bible that says Moses preached or practiced polygamy at all. And Abraham in the sense of Mormon polygamy did not practice it. He took one uh, concubine, Hagar, and in order to have a child for Sarah, which was against God's will, so yes, he went against God's will to do it.
2: Actually, and also really quick, Mark, if, if you read the book of Genesis, you'll realize that actually it was Sarah's idea to give Hagar to Abram. Right. And so if you will, really the biggest thing is she had more of a lack of faith and was like, well, I can't have kids, so dun-dun-dun-dun, here's Hagar. And then of course they have Ishmael and then she ends up conceiving and having Isaac. Mm-hmm. And so then they banish him out there and then of course we have all the conflict in the Middle East today. So yeah. you know um it, I know that a lot of times apologists will utilize that story to justify it. Yet there's no commandment and it's certainly right. not a happy bedtime story.
1: And there's nothing you read you know Jacob's I mean? story of polygamy and mm-hmm. God God never commanded polygamy to Jacob. He was hoodwinked, he was cheated, he was deceived. And again, the, the the he had four wives, but the last two wives were given to him by his first two wives. It wasn't God who did it.
2: Yeah, I mean, polygamy was very much cultural. It was not doctrinal,
1: though. Right.
4: So w- would they have been committing adultery, in your opinion, then, if they're having sex with people that they shouldn't be married to or God didn't command them?
1: I w- my opinion on this would be the the Ten Commandments was not given until 430 years later after Abraham and so there was not a command that said do not commit adultery therefore I can't say that he broke that command because it hadn't been given yet but they were breaking God's God's initial um monogamy that he brought about with Adam and Eve when he brought Adam and Eve together they were breaking through that yes
4: interesting what about Exodus 21:10 that says this is like a specific rule for polygamy for you know for the Jews Exodus twenty twenty one is all about the commandments you know it says if he takes another wife to himself he shall not diminish her food her clothing or her marital rights why does it just why does it give him specifics if he does commit polygamy or if he is doing something on this is how he should do it to make it
1: better well,
4: I mean it doesn't really make sense but, but, to just say you shouldn't commit
1: polygamy There's a couple of answers on that one Mark first of all. It could be that that man that he is talking about doesn't, uh, isn't doing polygamy. Maybe he divorced his wife and he's taking another wife and treating his first wife bad. Or it could be that he's living polygamy. However, God did regulate it. He regulated rape. He regulated theft. He regulated murder. He regulated divorce, which was against his will as well. And he regulated polygamy. So that doesn't mean he's commanding it. He's just telling people how to be decent with each other in life. Okay.
4: Interesting. My last question was, you know, I think you guys are very objective about the LES church, and I appreciate that. Do you think that you're objective about the Bible and about Jesus and things like that? I mean, the Bible has lots of problems and inconsistencies oh. in itself, Both. Well, false Would prophecies, anonymous oh. gospel writers, etc. Do you think you're objective yeah. about Well,
1: you know, you made a broad history. statement. We, 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 you made a broad statement there about the Bible. Do you have any proof of all that?
4: Yeah. I mean, but biblical scholars say that they don't know who wrote the, the different gospels. And one gospel claims that Jesus was born when Herod was alive. And then the other gospel, I think, it's Luke says that Jesus was born during the great the taxation of the world, and those, have, those events yeah. happened 10 years
2: well, apart. I, I understand what you're saying. That would basically put the birth of Christ somewhere between 4 and 6 BC. I, mm-hmm. I understand the, the arguments you make. And, you know, obviously, definitely something to, to discuss, but the, the purpose of this show is Mormons and polygamists, in you know, uh, early Mormonism, they consider the Bible to be the Word of God. And so really, within this framework of this show, that's where we're arguing. We're using the Bible, which is the Word of God, against what they claim to be the Word of God. And since they claim both things, we're using those contradictions. Right. I certainly understand where you're going with it, but I don't think we have the time to discuss that. And I think, I think there's probably a, a good discussion to be had there, but that would be an entirely right. separate show.
1: And if you, actually, if you wanted to leave your name and number, somebody could get back with you and answer your question I'd be happy to talk to
2: you about it if you'd like. Fair enough. I
1: appreciate that. Okay. okay. Thank you, Mark. All right. Thanks. Uh-huh. All right. Good night. Okay, good call. Line one, we have Cheryl from Midvale. Hello, Cheryl.
4: Hi. hi. I I really believe that Joseph Smith started this religion for money, power, and women, and that uh, if he had the gold plates, if he actually found the gold plates, he would cash them in. I I, I don't really think he actually uh, found the gold plates, you know, to begin with. You've got a (laughs) point there. This character is bad. You've got a bad character, and I don't understand why the Mormons can't see it. You know, it's just frustrating. Well, well,
2: I mean, they got a lot of stake. They got planets that they get to have. You know what I mean? They get. I mean, <laughs> they they got a lot vested in this. So. Well,
1: and, and let me mention something here, Cheryl. I it, it's hard to understand once you understand once you see the truth. It's hard to understand how they can't. But you know, I was born and raised in a polygamy group. I was from the cradle. I was taught their doctrine. I was taught that polygamy was the only way. I was taught Joseph Smith was a wonderful, almost god man. And and all of these other early Mormon people, I was taught. They were wonderful people. And I believed it because I didn't know anything else. Oh,
3: and, I understand. And, and okay. So, and it's just
1: hard to get through because it I... It is. It's very hard to get through. But it's also, unless you research it, you'll never get the truth. Right. And these people are afraid to research it.
2: And and Cheryl, can let me add something else in there, too. I think Doris is absolutely right. And I, I was born LDS, you know, and my family is you know, deep into the LDS church, okay? And so I, I, went, uh, I went the apologist route at first, you know? And so I did mental acrobats, acrobatics that were just amazing as far as things I would do to try to bend things into some kind of logic or some, some kind of way that it, it actually fit. And uh, it's because, quite honestly, I wanted it to be true. That's what I've been taught since the time I was a kid. There's a lot of psychological science behind this as far as why people mm-hmm. operate mentally the way that they do. I was certainly into it, and, and I admit that, and I was wrong but you know I wasn't willing to admit, admit I was wrong for several years and I did a lot of mental gymnastics
1: yeah oh, okay I, I understand now yeah. okay thank you so much uh-huh. thanks for your call Cheryl appreciate it okay go ahead. okay it looks like we have John on line three hello John uh, hi yes you're on the air John
5: yeah hi Uh thank you for taking my call um
1: you need to turn the volume on your television down
5: Oh, okay. Yeah, um, you know, if people are uh, like, the yeah, you know, you guys talk about angel children they talk about angels.
1: About angels? About
5: angels, they talk about it. They're right. they, 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 not have a right. I, I like, they, the, everything they like, right. they brainwash people, they believe them, you know. They help the people that believe somebody, they're not uh, like the uh, OSL saying we are No, you need to read the Bible, the real, real God is saying in the Bible not Pokemon, not so this you know. It, you know, it can it read, it read the, uh, you know, the second, uh, a uh, chi- uh, 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 book called uh, Genesis and No, and a second of what they say in, in English and 30, 30, 32, 33, they say that, that to, uh, God to Moses, he holds, he holds his head, he rose his eyes, he got sheep, Moses, and Moses.
2: Oh, he yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. You're, you're talking about all the times in the Bible that uh, people never really saw God. I, I, that's a great point that you make up, but yet, uh, that, you're, that you're making here. But yet, Joseph Smith, of course, sees God, but, you know, it depends on which version you're, te- you, you know, you're getting, because maybe it was an angel, or maybe it was just one thing, or, you know, maybe it was God and Jesus. We're, mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of depends on which version you want to read. Right, the
1: first but, vision. But, yeah, absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. In the Bible, uh, you know, Moses, uh, you know, and... Um,
1: but they didn 't see God the way Joseph right, Smith explained exactly. that they saw God. Maybe they a saw a manifestation or, right. that God had manifested himself in fact, the Bible's clear <laughs> that nobody can see God in in yeah. all his fullness of who he is. No one can see him because he 's a spirit.
2: yeah, that was a very good point, John. Thanks for making that.
1: thanks for calling, yeah, th- we appreciate that, okay, right now it looks like there's um, might be another call coming in but let's go to Nancy Rigdon. Sure. We were talking about the the second Peter um, doctrine and the pernicious evil things that they were saying and their yeah. eyes full of adultery but you've got a quote about Nancy Rigdon. Yeah,
2: yeah. absolutely. <coughs> Do they have that uh, queued up back
1: there? Um, let's see. I don't know. We'll find okay. out.
2: <laughs> well, when Smith proposed marriage in April 1842 to Nancy Rigdon, 19 okay, year old daughter to his close friend and counselor Sidney Rigdon, he reportedly took her in a room locked the door and then stated to her that he had had an affection for her for several years and had wished that she would be his. Nancy refused him, saying she would only marry a single man. The following day, Smith explained to her in a letter. Now, this is the important part. That which is wrong under one circumstance may be, and often is, right under another circumstance. Now, he added, whatever God requires is right, no matter what it is, although we may not see the reason thereof. Well, she remained unconvinced.
1: Which was wise.
2: Uh, yeah, smart girl. Good for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, God doesn't change. He doesn't say this is wrong and this is right unless things change and then, and then it switches and one's wrong and at right. uh, one time. That just if isn't Joseph's true. If Joseph's hormones that's... are a
2: little different, then, you know, hey, things are a little bit better for that. So, yeah, I mean, I understand.
1: Yeah. Okay. And then we have Priscilla D. Huntington. Uh, another yeah. b- another thing that shows that Joseph Smith, the foundation with Joseph Smith is is not good. Jo- uh, Priscindia Huntington was a faithful Mormon and a married woman in Nauvoo. She also had a polyandrous. She was also a polyandrous wife of Joseph Smith. Prazindia had married Norman Buell in 1827 and had two sons by him before joining Mormonism in 1836. She was secretly sealed to Joseph Smith by her brother Dimmick on December 11th of 1841, though she continued to live with her husband until 1846 when she left him to marry Heber C. Kimball. (coughs) That wonderful man who buys cows and wives the same day. Yeah, great now, pickup line. They they po- they played polygamy musical chairs. Only yeah. musical husbands. Yeah. They they just have women with multiple husbands and and, and <laughs> men with multiple wives. What a risky foundation for it's, a church.
2: It's a totally it's a totally sandy foundation. And the reason I'm passionate about this and the reason I absolutely love Doris's work is, women that you're in this or anybody who's watching this and is actually living this and saying, yeah, I believe this, you deserve better. Yes, You deserve to actually be treated as somebody who's loved, somebody who's appreciated. You are not a commodity. You are not something to be bought and sold and traded and treated as some kind of a, a, a quasi-prostitute
1: and and being a polygamist wife is only is admitting that you don't think you're worthy to have your own husband but you are worthy to have your own husband god said so in first corinthians seven two he says every woman is to have her own husband and every man is supposed to have his own wife so you are worthy to have your own husband women in polygamy
2: and you're worthy to have freedom and you're worthy to have people who are willing to help you to get out of that tyranny that you live within
1: that's absolutely right we have one more call there but i don't believe that we have uh the time to take it so melanie uh, if you would leave a message with the operator and maybe a telephone number or you could call back next week or maybe we could uh, give you a call Uh, after the show maybe tomorrow or this weekend Um, we weren't able to get through all of the information that we had thank you Tyson for coming but we got through a lot of it and we urge you to get in the Bible and read it read 2nd Peter and find out what he says about false prophets you know it's been said that nothing is harder to change than self-deception for what someone wishes to believe will be true for him however believing that something to be true doesn't make it true Something is either true or it isn't, and whether we believe it or not has no effect on whether it's true or not. Many highly educated people believe in and trust Joseph Smith, but that doesn't make him a true prophet. By today's standards and by biblical standards, hundreds, even thousands of years ago, Joseph Smith would have been categorized as a false prophet. I hear or read uh, intelligent people say, I don't know why Joseph Smith married teenage girls or why God told him to take married women as plural wives, but it must have been the right thing to do. After all, they say Joseph Smith was a prophet of God, but he wasn't a prophet, at least not a prophet of God. Joseph Smith was a false prophet by every single biblical test. He was a false prophet. Only self-deception can cause anyone to believe that God told Joseph Smith to do what he did, to hurt who he hurt, to commit adultery and to cause many women to commit adultery. That's not the right thing to do in anybody's book. Joseph Smith wasn't even a fallen prophet. He was a false prophet by every measure and by every single test. His moral life was a shambles. Dozens and dozens of his prophecies did not come true. He contradicted himself numerous times and he contradicted God Even more times. Joseph Smith was not a prophet of God. And we would all do well to ignore the so called prophets and just turn to Jesus Christ and to Him all alone for doctrine and for eternal life. Thanks for watching. Good night.
0: This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy What Love Is This.